As I was uh, reading this uh, passage uh, again a few minutes ago, it, it struck me how uh, it feels almost like a crime uh, not to speak about uh, quite a few verses in this chapter. And there's so many uh, wonderful things taught uh, within it. Um, but if I tried to speak about them all, uh, you might start to consider it a crime against you, because it may go on rather long. So uh, instead of looking at all the verses we could, uh, which would really take several sermons, uh, I've decided to just focus on one particular verse, which I think uh, sums up the uh, passage most clearly. Uh, and we're going to look in the most detail Uh, this evening at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That's the uh, summary of the message this evening. So if anyone asks you uh, what was the sermon about tonight, you can tell them. It was... Hebrews 12, verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. As I say, that really is the summary of this whole chapter. Uh, But we need to define some of these words to start off with so that we understand what is meant when Hebrews tells us that we need to pursue peace and holiness. What does peace mean? What does Hebrews mean when the author here teaches us to pursue peace with all people? Well, peace in this verse refers to harmony. It refers to tranquility in our relationships with others. Um, Hebrews is instructing us to pursue Peace in our relationship with others so that our relationships don't have uh, unresolved conflict or trouble in them. Uh, so that bitterness is, doesn't exist in our relationships with one another. There's not strife, there's not envy, there's not jealousy. Instead, there is peace and harmony and tranquility. Uh, That is what, according to this verse, we are to pursue in our relationships with each other. It begs the question, well, what does holiness mean? Uh, We're to pursue peace with all people and holiness, the verse says. Well, holiness refers to being distinct, being special. Uh, You'll remember how Certain utensils in the tabernacle were considered holy for a particular purpose, and they were not to be used for other purposes. They were considered holy. And the book of Hebrews makes clear that if we are a believer here this morning, if we're trusting in Christ, if our faith is in him and our sin has been washed away by his death for us on the cross, then we are to be holy to God. We are distinct, we are special, and our lives should be marked by a purity and a godliness 
which sets us apart from those who do not know Christ, who have not been saved by him. Our lives should show fruit that we are in a relationship with Christ and that fruit is holiness. So those are the two things which we are told to pursue in our lives in this verse if we are a believer in Christ. We are to pursue peace, harmony in our relationships with each other, and secondly, holiness, a godliness and a purity which sets us apart from those who do not know Christ. But the author of Hebrews doesn't leave it there. He doesn't just give the command. He also gives at least three reasons why. Uh, At least three reasons why we should pursue, why we must pursue peace and holiness. And it's those three reasons I would like to look at uh, this evening. Uh, The first one, uh, the first reason Hebrews gives is that we must pursue peace and holiness to avoid falling short of God's grace. Uh, You can read that in verse 15. Uh, Secondly, Hebrews says we must pursue peace and holiness to avoid bitterness making our church useless. You can read that again in verse 15. And lastly, uh, he was encouraged us to pursue peace and holiness because only peace and holiness are eternal. And yet so often we can sacrifice those things for things which are temporal and fleeting. And Hebrews warns us, don't forsake greater things for lesser things. So those are the three reasons Hebrews gives. And now let's look at each one of those uh, in turn in a little bit more detail. Uh, So the first reason we should pursue peace and holiness is to avoid falling short of God's grace. And you can see that in verse 15, but I'll read verse 14 again for the sense. Verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Did you notice that when we're told here to pursue peace and holiness, it's not just for ourselves. Uh, Clearly that's included. We should look to have peaceful relationships ourselves and holiness in our own lives. But we should also be looking out for each other. Uh, It says in verse 15, we should be looking carefully, lest anyone, not just us, but anyone, fall short of the grace of God. Because the Bible says we're a body. Uh, If we're a believer here this evening, we're part of the body of Christ. And if there's pain in any one part, if there's bitterness in any one part, if there's a lack of harmony in any one part, it affects the whole body. Uh, If your foot is hurting, you are hurting. There's no way you can disconnect your foot from the rest of you. And it's the same with the church. Uh, If one part is struggling, the whole body is struggling. 
So we are to look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. You know, sometimes we can be a bit superficial, can't we? Uh, it's easy sometimes to sort of see someone on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening and decide, oh, oh they're smiling. Uh, they look happy. Uh, they look content. They must be okay. But we all know that's not generally a great symptom of how someone's really feeling inside. Uh, how many of you have perhaps gone for a meeting like this where you've uh, put on a nice front and you've smiled and been friendly and been cheerful and then almost as soon as you've got into your house and shut the door you've burst into tears. I'm sure all of us have had experiences like that. Uh, as the book of Proverbs says, a smiling heart can often, a smiling face can often hide an aching heart. And that's why Hebrew says we should look carefully. We should know each other well so that we can spot if anyone, as Hebrews puts it, falls short of the grace of God. You might wonder, what does that mean? What does it mean to fall short of God's grace? Because that seems strange because we tend to think of God's grace as something which is given to us, which we don't deserve. So how can you fall short of it? If you don't deserve it in the first place, then it feels like it's not something you can fall short of. Uh, does that make sense? It seems, seems odd. But we need to understand what the teaching of the New Testament, what the teaching of the Bible is. And the New Testament makes absolutely crystal clear, the book of Hebrews makes absolutely clear, that the reason God gives us grace is in order to make us holy. God doesn't give us grace because we are holy, because we're not. We're all, we've all fallen short of the glory of God in all sorts of different ways. But God gives us grace so that he can transform us into people who will glorify him. Sadly, some people um, sort of take the grace and they forget why God gives grace. It's not merely to give us a home in heaven. It's to transform us now, to make us more like Christ. That's exactly why verse 14 says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Not because God rewards us when we're holy, but because holiness is the reward. Does that make sense? That's why God saves us in order to make us set apart and holy, and he changes us. Just give a few verses elsewhere in the Bible to uh, hit that home. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 5, right at the beginning of Paul's famous letter, he says that through him, that's through Christ, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Do you hear that? Paul says, we, that's speaking of him and the other apostles primarily, we have received grace so that the nations will become obedient. 
God gave grace to Paul, uh, to Paul and to the apostles so that they would be his ambassadors to make the people of God holy, obedient to his name. Uh, later again, at the end of the book of Romans, uh, Paul says, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. This is what God wants from someone who has been saved. He saves them in order to make them obedient, to give them a holiness they did not have before. Just one last verse which makes it absolutely certain. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. Paul again writes, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Paul says very clearly there, God's grace has been revealed in Christ. And that grace which God pours out on all those who come to Christ teaches us to deny ungodliness, teaches us to deny worldly lusts, teaches us to live soberly, righteously and godly while we live on earth. So the emphasis there is this. Don't confuse grace as being the opposite of law. Uh, We need grace in order to obey the law. Without grace, we cannot hope to be pleasing to God. But God gives us grace and he gives us salvation in order that we might become holy. And that's why in this verse, Hebrews says, look carefully, lest anyone is falling short of the grace of God. Lest there's anyone who is showing that there is bitterness in their life, that there is like a cancer, if you like, in their soul regarding their relationship with others, a cancer of hatred and envy and jealousy or whatever it might be. Look out for that because that is an evidence that the grace of God is not active in their life. That's exactly what um, Hebrews was teaching us at the beginning of the chapter. I'd love to go into it with more detail, but there simply isn't time. But uh, let me just read um, verse 7 of chapter 12. Uh, um, The author of Hebrews says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Do you hear what Hebrews is saying? He's saying that if your life is not showing signs of godly fruit, he's not saying it will be perfect, none of us are perfect, but if your sign isn't showing evidence of an increasing holiness, isn't increasingly becoming more like Christ, if God's work in your life isn't showing on the outside, then it suggests that you may not be a child at all because God disciplines his children. He chastens his children. He teaches his children. He's like a gardener who prunes his plants. And if we're not bearing fruit, it suggests that we're not, or it suggests that God is not our gardener. 
that we have not received his grace at all. So that's the first reason Hebrews says that we need to pursue peace and pursue holiness because we don't want to fall short of the grace of God because that's exactly why God gives us grace. Let's move on to the second reason why we must pursue peace and holiness. And that again is at the end of verse 15. Uh, Hebrews writes, lest any root of bitterness springing up and cause up and cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Hebrews instructs us to pursue peace and holiness because if bitterness gains a foothold in our hearts, then it makes our witness impotent. Uh, It makes it useless. Uh, Do you remember what Jesus himself said? Uh, He said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. But if we allow envy, jealousy, bitterness, whatever sin in the family of hatred, if we allow that to gain a foothold in our hearts, then instead of people seeing our love for one another and knowing we are Christ's disciples, instead they will see exactly what you see in every other society and group of humanity. We will not be achieving our purpose of shining like lights in this world. That's the deadly danger of bitterness in the church. Uh, We may keep Sunday differently to others, but big deal. Um, Lots of religions keep uh, religious ceremonies on special days. Uh, We may sing different sorts of songs, but again, any Many different groups of people have their own sets of songs. Uh, We may be distinct in all sorts of different ways, but if we're not distinct in our love and not distinct in our holiness, then really we're not distinct at all. And so Hebrews says, pursue peace, pursue holiness, pursue love so that we can be the church, so that we can demonstrate who Christ is by our love for one another. Uh, I read a story just recently uh, of um, two men who were walking through the countryside and they were on their way to another village to help bring in some crops. And as they walked, they met an old woman sitting at the edge of a river. And she was upset because there was no bridge and she could not get across on her own. And the first man Uh, kindly offered and said, we will carry you across the river if you like. Thank you, she said gratefully, and she accepted their help. So the two men joined hands and they lifted her and carried her across the river. And when they got to the other side, they set her down and she went on her way. But after the two men had walked on for another mile or so, the second monk Uh, The second man, sorry, began to complain. He said, look at my clothes. They're filthy from carrying that woman across the river. And my back still hurts from lifting her. I can feel it getting stiff. 
for the first man simply smiled and nodded his head. A few miles on, the second man uh, griped again. And he said, my back is hurting so badly. And it's all because we had to carry that silly woman across the river. I cannot go any further because of the pain. And the first man looked down at his friend, now lying on the ground, moaning. And he said, have you wondered why I'm not complaining? Your back hurts because you are still carrying the woman. I set her down five miles ago. It's a lovely lesson there about bitterness. Uh, All of us have been hurt by someone in our lives. Uh, Perhaps all of us have been hurt by another Christian at some point in our lives. And it's so easy to carry that burden with us in the rest of our life, for that to be like a stone in our shoe. And we can be like that first man. And even if we don't gripe about it publicly, we do in our minds. And we play it over and over and over again in our heads, that grievance for that thing that that person did to us. And we can't let it go like that second man. But Hebrews is saying, don't allow that to happen. Because if you allow that to happen, if you allow that bitterness to gain a foothold in your life, you will not only make yourself useless because that hatred will spread into other parts of your life, but also you will defile the whole body, the whole church. Sadly, many churches are like this. There are people within churches who make decisions not based upon what is right and wrong from God's words, but because they've got axes to grind. And because someone has proposed something and they have a grievance against that person, they oppose it, not because it's right or wrong, but because they simply want to oppose this other person. And things like that are all too common, even in churches. So you see how bitterness can spread into other areas of life, even when we're not aware of it. And again, that's why Hebrews says, look carefully, beware, lest bitterness and a lack of harmony in relationships with others, especially other Christians, causes a root of bitterness to spring up and causes trouble by which many are defiled. So that's the second reason we must pursue peace and holiness, to avoid bitterness getting a foothold in our life. Uh, Perhaps just give one example, a positive example, which teaches us what we should be like. Um, I heard again about a man called uh, Bruce Goodrich, and he was being initiated apparently into uh, cadet corps, I think it was somewhere in America, And one night, as part of this uh, cadet service, he was forced to run until he dropped. Uh, But sadly, uh, this uh, cadet never got up again. Um, He got pushed too hard and he died before he ever even entered the college. It was too much for him. But a short time after this tragedy, uh, Bruce's father wrote a letter to the cadet corps, uh, to the Um, school he was with 
to the faculty, the student body, and all the uh, other cadets. And he wrote this. He said, I would like to take this opportunity to express the appreciation of my family for the great outpouring of concern and sympathy from Texas A&M University and the college community over the loss of our son, Bruce. We were deeply touched by the tribute paid to him in the battalion. We were particularly pleased to note that his Christian witness did not go unnoticed during his brief time on campus. He went on, I hope it will be some comfort to know that we harbour no ill will in the matter. We know our God makes no mistakes. Bruce had an appointment with his Lord and is now secure in his celestial home. When the question is asked, why did this happen? Perhaps one answer will be, so that many will consider where they will spend eternity. Do you see such a different response? It would be so easy in that situation to become bitter, to seek recriminations. But that father was full of grace. He was full of peace. He did not allow bitterness to gain a foothold in his life. That is what we should be like as believers. If nothing can be done, to let it go and leave it in the hands of God. That leads us to the third and last reason why we must pursue peace and holiness. And this one is simply because only peace and holiness are eternal. And we see this in verses 16 and 17. Hebrews continues, and he says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. He was teaching us here uh, that the opposite of pursuing holiness and peace is to pursue temporary, passing, the fleeting things of this world. Uh, If you don't dedicate your life to pursuing the holiness that comes from God and the peace that comes through Christ, then you will pursue instead things of much less value. Now, we all pursue something, (laughs) You can't get away from that. Anyone who is alive is pursuing something. And if we don't pursue holiness and peace in Christ, we will pursue something of far less value. And Hebrews gives the example of Esau, who did exactly that. Uh, Esau, uh, when he was young, uh, was given the, or had the right to the birthright, because he was the oldest son of Jacob. Uh, But he sold his birthright, this precious privilege that he had, he sold it to his younger brother Jacob, because Jacob offered him a bowl of stew, and he was hungry. And he sacrificed this wonderful, sacred privilege, so that he could have a few moments Uh, easing of his hunger. But then later on in his life, when he wanted to be blessed by his father, 
he discovered that Jacob, his sort of trickster younger brother, had taken the blessing as well. And Esau was furious, and he begs his father Isaac to give him the blessing, but it's too late. Uh, He has forsaken the right to the blessing. Uh, He no longer has any right to it. And Hebrews picks up in this verse how Esau, uh, verse 17, how he afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, was rejected for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Uh, Esau cried. He begged his father to give him the blessing, but it was too late. It had gone. He had despised his birthright, and now he could not receive the blessing. Now, many Christians um, have worried about this verse, and they're anxious that this verse is teaching, or these verses are teaching, that it's possible to want to come to Jesus, to want to repent, but yet be rejected when you come to him uh, because you've done something terrible in the past. Uh, But that isn't the point of these verses, per se. And the reason we know that is because we're told very specifically what Esau's tears were all about. Uh, If you go back into the book of Genesis, you can read the account for yourself. Uh, Esau wasn't wanting to repent. Esau wasn't sorry for selling his birthright. What he was sorry about was that he was not about to receive the blessing. Uh, He was not repenting of his bad choices in the past. He simply wanted the good thing that he had now realized he had forsaken. The lesson to us is that you cannot expect to ignore God now and expect blessing in eternity. Uh, If you're not listening to God's demands on your life now, then God will not listen to your pleas when it comes to seeing him on judgment day. Unless you think I'm just making it up. Uh, did you notice what it said in verse 25 of Hebrews 12? Verse 25 says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? Listening to God's instruction in our life is not an option. We must listen to him. There is a holiness without which we will not see the Lord. And Hebrews is solemnly warning us here, don't swap passing pleasure now, passing ease now, passing comfort now, because you'll forsake eternal bliss then. If I can give just one more verse to demonstrate that. Uh, from Christ's own lips. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 26. Jesus said, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Jesus makes it very clear, doesn't he? He says, if you're ashamed of Christ now, 
he will be ashamed of you then. And that is what happened to Esau here. Uh, He forsook the birthright. And so when he wanted the blessing, he couldn't have it because he hadn't listened when he had the chance. And that's the last warning in this these verses. Listen to God's word, word. Don't harden your heart against it. Beware ignoring God. So those are the three reasons uh, which Hebrews gives us why we should pursue holiness. Uh, first of all, we should pursue holiness so that no one falls short of the grace of God. Secondly, we should pursue peace and holiness uh, so that we avoid bitterness, making our witness uh, non-existent. But lastly, we should pursue peace and holiness because only that is eternal. And nothing that this world can offer is eternal. It's temporary, it's fleeting, it's passing. But the holiness which God gives by his grace lasts forever. Don't forsake that for something of lesser value.